Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. I'm your host, Allie Warshavsky, and today on our podcast, we are speaking with Paul Dunford of Green Check Verified in North Haven. Paul, you are the co-founder and VP of Knowledge there. I really love that title, and we want to know um, from beginning to where you are now, how did Green Check get founded? How did you come up with this idea? And um, more about enabling financial institutions to safely and successfully offer services to the legal cannabis industry, which is starting to boom here in Connecticut. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Now, again, you know, I mentioned this in the intro, we want to know where did this idea originate and when was Green Check originally founded? Well, it's, it's hard to pin down an exact date because it's something that we worked on for a little while before we sort of came out publicly to the world with what we were doing. Um, the issue ultimately is something that folks outside of the cannabis industry, and that included me, totally outside of the cannabis industry at the beginning, don't realize that banking is a huge issue for cannabis businesses. You know, the long and the short of it is while the federal government did give us guidance in 2014 on how you can bank these cannabis businesses responsibly, because marijuana remains a Schedule One controlled substance, many financial institutions feel like they don't want to take on the risk associated with something, considering they are usually federally regulated or have other federal programs like lending programs that they do. So really, the biggest thing we had at the beginning was figuring out how do you get financial institutions that have been taught for years and years and years that they absolutely cannot touch this and say, no, you can, and here's how. So as with all things in cannabis, it was a super circuitous route. Like if you ever talk to anybody in cannabis and ask how you got there, it's all over the place. Um, so gosh, was it even in 2014? Um, my partner, Kevin Hart, who's the CEO and president, was approached by some folks in the cannabis industry in California because we had worked together at a place uh, before that that had put like, um, if you've ever been in like um, an airport where they have an iPad where you can order food or whatever it is while you're yes. waiting. I, I use that frequently, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it works well because that was one of the projects that we did. Okay, so yeah. Kevin really was the mastermind behind that on that professional services side. And so he made a bit of a name for himself there. So a bunch of folks in the cannabis industry in California approached him and said, hey, we don't really like our point of sale system. Do you think maybe you could come up with a better one? So he and I had been working on doing some consulting stuff. So we went out to California. It was the first time I'd ever been in a dispensary. It was, it was wild because I didn't realize that cash was an issue. And when they were showing us around, there was literally like a Scrooge McDuck vault in the back of this building that had been brought from a bank. And it was full of bags of nickels and dimes and quarters. And, you know, we realized that point of sale is not the problem. This mm -hmm. cash is the problem. Banking is the problem. You know, the cannabis industry needs another point of sale like it needs a hole in the head. Anybody who has a point of sale system, they put a cannabis leaf on it. It's a cannabis point of sale mm -hmm. system. Um, that's not to say there aren't some very good ones out there. <laughs> so we spent, you know, really maybe a year while we were also doing some other things, bringing in experts, folks that have worked in this industry from both the cannabis side and particularly like the banking and government side. Mm -hmm. One of the things that 
we realized early on is that people try to get around this problem. You know, they try and circumvent it somehow in some clever way. And the problem with any kind of, you know, loophole is it gets closed or any kind of workaround is that ultimately it will be untenable when something changes. So we went through all those ideas that, you know, other folks had like, well, what about a cryptocurrency? What about a stored value card? You know, and those are some of the things that other folks in the industry have done. But we realized that in order for anything we did to be sustainable, and in order for us to really get the buy-in from the financial institutions, we had to really get in their heads and think about what do they need in terms of assurances? What do they need in terms of information to be able to demonstrate to their examiners that all the dollars coming in are the result of state legal sales? So that ultimately is how we pulled in folks like John Gadea, who was the uh, head of the Department of Consumer Protection when the medical program was created. John literally wrote the rules of the medical program. So talk to him, talk to folks who are in banking, who are in you know, Bank Secrecy Act, anti-money laundering banking, stuff mm -hmm. like that. And we realized it's all about transparency. What we do with GreenCheck as software is that we connect the point of sale or the invoicing system from a cannabis business, bring it into GreenCheck. One of the big responsibilities of my team is maintaining what we call the compliance rules engine. So all the rules that would make a transaction legal or not, was the person of age, you know, did they sell in excess of their state legal limit, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we present that to the financial institution in the software and say, to the best of our knowledge, based on the rules in the state, and what we got from the cannabis business, you know, X amount of these dollars were the result of state legal sales. So that that gives the financial institution that comfort to be able to say, okay, it can come in because I know it's legitimate. I can tell my examiner with confidence that these are legitimate dollars. I realized that was a very, very like long kind of diatribe about how we got here. Be, though, because I think that <laughs> many people are very unfamiliar with this. And it's something that, as you mentioned, you, and this was maybe 2014, we're growing in California. Well, tons of years have passed now. We're in 2022 and it's finally becoming a thing in Connecticut, right? It was just legalized. So it is very new to people here in, at least in Connecticut. Um, you know, you, you talked a little bit about the financial um, issue of it and, and trying to close the loopholes always close, et cetera. You know, are there any other issues companies looking to get into the cannabis industry face that you guys help them with? Well, really what we try to do is focus on the financial institution side mm -hmm. because we don't want to be in a position where we're charging cannabis businesses for anything. You know, they yeah, are okay. busy enough, you know, they don't need another thing to adopt. So we try to make it as effortless as possible mm -hmm. to connect them with their financial institution. That being said, financial institutions don't necessarily have that institutional knowledge of how to find these businesses. You know, like any chamber of commerce, you know, in any kind of state, you can go and see who's there. And the cannabis industry still really isn't like that. So they don't know how to connect to them. Equally, cannabis businesses don't know how to connect to banks because they've all had this experience of calling half a dozen banks or credit unions and being told no. Or they have the experience of having an account and having it taken away from them, sometimes mm -hmm. half dozen times. So neither of them are hanging out in the same room. So we do help connect cannabis businesses to financial institutions purely as a 
you know, here's someone who's interested, they're in your area, you know, it's entirely up to you whether you want to have a relationship with them. But we do try to make sure that both sides are aware of each other and they know how to find yeah. each other. So you're helping them network a little bit when it comes to financial institutions. So California, was that the first state where you began using Green Check officially? What's the growth been like for your company? Well, technically Connecticut is where we started. Okay. So okay. our two first financial institutions were in Connecticut. Uh, Kevin, who I mentioned, lived in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. I actually moved to Connecticut so that we could focus and you know do all this together in the same room. Uh, before everything was on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, the first couple of years were relatively, you know, slow because it just took a lot of convincing. You know, who are we? Who are we to come in and say, you as a financial institution can do this thing you were told you couldn't do? Uh, one of the ways we got around that actually is that, not got around it, one of the ways we addressed this is that we don't just sell a piece of software and say, good luck. What we do is we have a consulting arrangement at the beginning. You know, if you don't have a program in place yet, you know, we will work with you, you know, to put together a program that you can bring to your board and say, we've thought through everything, done a risk assessment, done a financial model. You know, we see other people are doing this and they're not having issues. So that can help them make the compelling argument to the board. And once we got a couple of those together, there just reaches that inflection point of any business where you go from one or two to a dozen to two dozens. And I think that was really around maybe 2020, uh, okay. maybe end of 2019, when we really sort of threw the covers off and started talking a lot more publicly. You know, we had worked with several financial institutions. They were doing very well. So we felt it was time, you know, that we could really sort of bring this publicly to the market. And the last two years, we have grown really, really very quickly. So take me back. So 2014, which is kind of like the exploratory phase where you guys were trying to figure it out. And then it came to fruition in around 2020. Um, was that part of because you saw that it was going to be legalized here? You kind of saw that open window of opportunity? Well, it's it. We did not know that Connecticut would go legal. You know, you never know how these things are going to turn out. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so really, it wasn't about whether adult will come. It's that there are a lot of existing markets. So, you know, Connecticut had medical. You know, a lot of the country had medical. Uh, there were states out west that had adult use. We had Massachusetts in our neighborhood that had adult use, mm -hmm. the Maine. So you see sort of the puzzle pieces getting filled in. But really there's a large market just for financial institutions and states with medical programs. So, you know, we weren't really necessarily planning on individual states to go adult. Okay. There's a huge cannabis industry uh, that exists today. Even if there weren't more states being added, we would still have a lot of financial institutions and a lot of cannabis businesses that still need to be connected. For the financial institutions, are a lot of them smaller private investors or is it larger institutions that are well-known banks? Well, most people assume that it's like the tiny credit union or the tiny, tiny bank that has one branch, yeah. but that's not really the case. Those folks can sometimes be a little bit more nimbler in making their decisions. So saying we want to do this and being able to do it is sometimes mm -hmm. a little bit quicker because there's less layers of red tape. 
but we do have several multi-state banks okay. and it just took them a little bit longer to get there because they have you know way more variables they have to account for internally but yeah there are absolutely several multi-state banks that are banking this industry do you see it growing to big even bigger banks in the future i think that it will continue to grow i think the folks that will stay out of it are you know the the super, super, super big folks, you know, like the mm -hmm. JP Morgans and the, you know, those folks. Not that they can't, it's that the risk just isn't worth the reward. You know, if you're mm -hmm. a smaller financial institution and you can bring in a couple million dollars of deposits with very little, you know, effort, then that's great. It makes a huge difference. But if you're, you know, JP Morgan and you bring in $2 million, that's just a drop in the bucket. So why would you take on any additional risk if the risk you know, outweighs the reward. So that's where they are. There's nothing to stop them from doing it. Mm -hmm. They could, but I think it's just probably the scale isn't attractive to them yet. And I know we touched on, you know, medical marijuana has been available for a long time now, obviously recreational is being approved state by state. Um, is there any state or side of the country where you, you seem to be doing the most business with? Yes, actually. We we were very lucky in timing in mm -hmm. that uh, in the Midwest, a couple of states went adult right as we were you know, starting our big, you know, going out there campaigns, talking to financial institutions. So in the Midwest, we have done very, very well um, for a couple of reasons new adult programs, but also several of those states have no license caps. So, okay. you know, there's not a finite number of licenses. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Massachusetts, actually, you know, they have a huge program uh, and it's been around for a while. And adult also is only about three years old. So mm -hmm. that aligned with us pretty well. So yeah, I guess the places we've been most successful so far are places where our timing really aligned with mm -hmm. adult use. Do you foresee it growing in Connecticut now since um, that's been, well, I know there's still some red tape up as to when you can legally sell recreational cannabis um, in stores in Connecticut. I believe that's in 2023, but don't quote me there. Um, might even be this year. But um, do you see it growing here in Connecticut as the doors start to open of these recreational dispensaries? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things that's kept financial institutions away from this is just a lack of knowledge, a lack of mm -hmm. experience. You know, they don't necessarily see it in their neighborhood. You know, you know how many Starbucks are out there because you see them, but the cannabis industry is still very discreet for a lot mm -hmm. of reasons. And so if you've never seen a dispensary, if you don't have a friend that works in one, it's easy to not know it's there. Mm -hmm. But now, who really knows when licenses will be issued and when sales will start. Hopefully it's before the end of the year, but you never mm -hmm. know. But now just more people in Connecticut are gonna be involved. It's gonna be more normal. You know, More people at financial institutions are gonna say, oh yeah, we can do this. You know, Folks in Massachusetts are doing it. Like Rhode Island just legalized adult. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of inevitable everywhere. So it makes more sense for us to take advantage of it now when it's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. As opposed to if we wait for it to be federally legalized, then the big, big banks will jump in because there's no risk yep. anymore. So this is like a weird moment of opportunity for credit <laughs> unions and banks like that they've never had in the past. Yeah. 
So do you worry then, um, you know, because I was going to ask you, where do you see Green Check in five years? Um, are you, you kind of praying it federally? <laughs> they don't make any changes because this is your opportunity right now? No, actually, it would be great if they legalized it because there will always be regulations around it. You okay. know, this is for better or for worse, no matter how we feel about it, this is still a pretty loaded issue in this country. Mm -hmm. And while we know that about 90% of Americans are in favor of the legalization of marijuana, even if it's just for medical, it's still going to be like tobacco, it's going to be like alcohol, it's going to be like prescription drugs, it's going to be regulated. Mm -hmm. And with anything that's regulated, you need systems to be able to demonstrate that you are following the regulations and that the money you're taking in is a result of legal sales. So. What would be great about federal legalization is that finally we would have consistency at the federal level. Every state and territory has an entirely different cannabis program. How much you can buy, you know, what is eligible for sale, how many licenses there can be. So that can be difficult for financial institutions, particularly if they're in multiple states, mm -hmm. to really keep on top of this. If it was federally legal, it would still be highly regulated, but it would be consistently regulated. And that would make everybody's jobs easier. And then you could still offer the advice, but um, it, you would just have that one big booklet most likely. Um, so I guess that being said, where do you see yourself in five years with Green Check? <laughs> uh, I never want to make bets about legalization, mm -hmm. um, but it's hard to argue that it's becoming more normalized. It was hard to argue that it's not becoming more normalized. Mm -hmm. uh, I looked at census data and 80% of Americans live in a state that has legalized marijuana to some extent. We have um, ballot initiatives in several states like South Dakota, um, Arkansas for adult use in the next election. Um, even if we don't think about federal legalization, within five years, Every state or territory is going to have some form of legalized cannabis, even if it's very restrictive. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're going to see more financial institutions getting involved. Um, there are hundreds and hundreds of financial institutions in this country, and there are still a lot of unbanked or underbanked cannabis businesses. In five years, we will just be working with that much bigger of a pool. Do you... Um find yourself not having to go out and be like, hey, we're Green Check, we can help you, and that people, or I should say the institutions are reaching out to you more and more now because the opportunities presented themselves, and they're like, well, how do I learn more? Oh, I found Green Check, let me ask them. Yeah, that's actually been a lovely change. You know, we yeah, were chasing right. <laughs> folks for a while, and now they're coming to us, which is awesome. Um, but we do a lot to, you know, get ourselves out there, and, you know, we provide a lot of education for mm -hmm. free, you know, because an educated consumer is the best consumer. So we have like a two and a half hour monthly free cannabis banking bootcamp. So if, you know, anyone can come, it ends mm -hmm. up being a lot of folks from credit unions and banks. And so, you know, they understand that something can be done. They know that we're out there. You know, we continue to make those kinds of connections because I'm not trying to do the hard sell on you. I'm saying, hey, this is cannabis banking. Here are the risks. You know, here are the ways that you can do this responsibly. But that means that if people have questions, then, you know, they've really started to come to us. And that's, that's super great. I'm super excited about that. And those are the webinars, right? That for people, I was noticing on your site that you offer and it's once a month. Yes. So every month, if anyone wants to come, it's free. We post them on our website, greencheckverified.com. They're 
two and a half hours. You know, we cover the basics of cannabis, cover the basics of cannabis businesses, uh, what you need to know uh, from a regulatory point of view as a financial institution. And then we usually have like a special topic at the end, like last month was a virtual visit to a dispensary. Like this is what would happen when you were at the door. This is what you could buy. These are what the products look like, you know? This is how you measure cannabis. All this stuff that I had no idea before I got involved in this world. And so I know that many of these folks have no idea either. And that's totally fine. That's, you know, where all of us start. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This is so interesting. And um, thank you for answering my questions. I hope I answered some of the, the listeners' questions because um, it's such a unique or niche, I should say, business. Yeah, and that you found yourself in. What is, um, you said you, you had relocated to Connecticut. Where are you from originally? Well, again, like most things in cannabis, I'm from a lot of places. Uh, I was born in Alabama, as you can tell okay. by my rich Southern accent. Uh, but I lived in New York for several years. Okay. So, okay, okay. you know, I've been out to Connecticut a couple of times and I always liked it. Uh, you know, and then we got to the point where when you live in New York, you need more space and you realize mm. that New York is for the young or the rich. We were no longer young and certainly weren't rich. And so Connecticut was a very nice alternative. Yes, I know. I know. I live out of the New York suburbs and we are constantly telling ourselves we need more space. Um, <laughs> but we haven't done much about it to fix that yet, but uh, I understand. And then what was your background um, before you joined um, Green Check? So I worked for several years at a um, community health center network in the Bronx. Okay. Mm -hmm. doing like electronic medical record systems, uh, pulling data out of those because very similar kind of industries. You know, if you're in a community health network, all of your funding comes from federal programs, state programs, city programs. So it's, what are the regulations? You know, what are the regulatory agencies that need to come in? What data do we need to provide in order to demonstrate that we're doing what we said we would do? So weirdly similar in that sense. Yeah. No, that's, that is interesting. So I was wondering how, what were the similarities that helped you be so successful in this job? But that makes a ton of sense. Well, thank you so much. Anything else uh, we should know about Green Check Verified before we let you go? Uh, well, I would just say visit our website, greencheckverified.com. We have, if you're at all interested in cannabis and cannabis banking, we have a lot of free resources. We just rolled out last week a state compliance guide. So you can go and look at a map of the US, click on any state, it'll tell you what you need to know about that state's program. Uh, we have boot camps every month that are free. So yeah, please uh, take advantage of what we got. And if you have any questions, never hesitate to reach out. Well, thank you so much, Paul. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, YouTube, and for more episodes, head on over to CBIA.com. Thanks very much.